Welcome to Excess Returns, where we focus on what works over the long term in the markets. Join us as we talk about the strategies and tactics that can help you become a better long-term investor. Justin Carboneau and Jack Forehand are principals at Validia Capital Management. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Validia Capital. No information on this podcast should be construed as investment advice. Securities discussed in the podcast may be holdings of clients of Validia Capital. Hey guys, this is Justin. In this episode of Excess Returns, Jack and I talk about bear markets and how no two bear markets are ever exactly the same. From their causes, to the types of stocks that perform best, to their length and more, all are different. One common factor, however, is they all eventually do end and long-term disciplined investors are the ones who give themselves the best chance for success in the markets over time. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Okay, so it's uh, basically uh, April 9th here, and we are still um, in this bear market environment. Stocks are down, I think, roughly like 25% so far this year. We've had a pretty big bounce um, off of what may be the bottom, although nobody knows. One of the things that you and I sort of have been talking about recently is what this bear market looks like compared to others. And I think one of the things that you wrote about in um, your article from... Uh, earlier in the month was how as investors, when we go through these bear market like periods, we want to draw similarities to other bear markets. So, you know, our natural tendency is to think about the environment we're going through and then to try to look at other bear markets, maybe how quick they were, what happened in terms of the stocks that were working in those bear markets and just basically drawing, you know, similarities and potential conclusions um, from those. And so, you know, I thought it was a good exercise in terms of what you did to sort of talk through maybe why investors do that and um, how that can sometimes be valuable, but also how bear markets are basically um, all different. And so what we thought we'd do is kind of use this podcast to sort of talk about past bear markets and just compare and contrast sort of what was going on with those compared to where we are today. Yeah, like you said, everybody wants to find the perfect analog for the current bear market, because if you can find that, then that sort of gives you a playbook. You know, if I can say, well, this specific bear market in the past looks just like the current one, well, then I know what I need to do because I know what happened during that bear market and I know what happened after that bear market. And so there's a tendency for all of us to try to look back and find the bear market that perfectly matches what's going on, especially bear markets we've actually been through because Mm -hmm. all of us tend to, you know, put more importance on bear markets that we've actually seen versus, you know, something that happened in 1920 that we never went through. So the, the point of the article was to say, Although that can maybe be a helpful exercise, every bear market is different. And there haven't been that many bear markets. And so the odds of of the current bear market looking exactly like any of the past bear markets are actually very low. Okay. So let's start with the bear market that we went through as professional investors, which was basically 2007 to 2009. So that's considered um, the great financial crisis. I think it was the second worst bear market peak to trough in history after the Great Depression. Um, And I think when you go through a market like that, as investors that experienced it, you know, one of the ideas is that the next bear market, I mean, in your mind, you may anchor to that as an investor. You may say, okay, we had, you know, a 50% plus decline. So this decline that we're going through, you know, many people might think it's going to be equally as bad. I mean, this is obviously a result of a completely different type of thing, but 
the point is, is that, you know, you're probably at least initially most likely to anchor to the bear market that you personally experienced, like you just said. And the last real bear market was the second worst in history. And one of the things that you and I have sort of talked about as well is, you know, you know, the next bear market may not be anywhere near that in terms of the types of decline. Obviously, what caused those the bear market was different than what we're in today. But, you know, investors have a tendency to think that the thing is going to repeat itself. And that's not always what happens with these bear markets. Yeah, you, you make a good point because, you know, if you look at our career, we went through 2008 and you know, we were just starting our career when 2000 happened. And 2008 is the second worst bear market ever. And 2000 was either the third or fourth, I think. Right. So, you know, you might look at that if that's all you've been through and say, all these bear markets are horrible. You know, they're all 40, 50 percent declines. And that's not the way they play out. You know, most bear markets are actually closer to the 20 to 30 percent range than they are the 40 to 50 percent range. But also the details behind it are very different. So, so 2008 was a financial crisis. You know, we had people owning homes, you know, or owning multiple homes that shouldn't have been owning them. We had the financialization of all that, which led to a huge, huge issues within the banking system. Coming into this one, the banking system is actually, as of right now, at least is in pretty good shape. So it was a totally different type of crisis. You know, what we're dealing with right now is something we've never seen before. We've never seen... So, you know, we've never just shut down the economy for an extended period of time. And as of now, we don't even know how long that's going to be. So that in of itself makes this completely unique relative to all other bear markets, but also relative to 2008. Another, I think, um, similarity to another point in time was how quickly this happened. So obviously with what we're in right now with the current bear market, I mean, I think it was the fastest decline, not to 20%, but to 30% ever in history. So from basically February 19th through the mid-March, we were down 30 plus percent. And so a lot of people were looking at that and saying, okay, this looks like the 1987 crash, which is when stocks, I think, fell like, you know, more than 20 percent in one day. So a lot of people were drawing analogs in comparison to that, just given how quickly this decline actually happened. Yeah, and, you know, in 1987 was also very different. You know, obviously in 1987, we weren't dealing with the type of economic situation we're dealing with now in terms of shutting down the economy completely. But also there were a lot of technical things going, going on behind the scenes in terms of how the market functioned and the products that were available, you know, portfolio insurance and things like that, you know, that sort of exacerbated that bear market. And, and since then, we've put things like trading curves in place and we've put the types of things in place that might prevent a 20% decline in one day, although this decline was, you know, 30% in not that many days. So we, we still had a rapid decline, but it wasn't as rapid as 1987. Mm. One of the one of the common characteristics in a lot, and by the way, there hasn't been that many, I think, you know, in your article, you said going back to 19, the early 1930s, we basically had between, you know, let's say two dozen bear markets. So a bear market comes around once every five years. So there's not that many observations you know, that we, we can have, which is, uh, you, so I think you have a kind of a wide range of, of outcomes with these bear markets, both in terms of their, how far down they can go, but also in ter um, the length of time it takes to recover. Uh, but one of the things I was going to point out was that these um, bear markets tend to be a lot quicker than bull markets. So the bear markets tend to happen, you know, over a very, sh over a much shorter period of time um, than, the, than us, the corresponding bull markets in terms of the length. So the bear market pain and the losses generally come quickly, although not all the time, because I think in the mid in the mid 70s, that was, you know, quite a long bear market. I think it might have been it's in your chart in the table. Um, I mean, the point is, is that, you know, there's not a lot not a lot of observations and the length of time 
while they vary, you know, a lot of them tend to be pretty quick. Yeah, no, definitely. There's, there's no doubt the bull market periods are typically a lot longer than the bear market periods. I mean, the one we're going through right now, if it, if it, if it is over, you know, we're in the middle of a rally right now and who, who knows whether it's over or not, it would be a very, very short bear market by historical standards, even, even by the shortness of your, your standard bear market. But, but you're right. I mean, bull markets go on for a really long time and, and these bear market periods typically happen a lot quicker. All right. So yeah, looking at the chart, what's interesting here is that, you know, like in 2000, 2000 was actually, that was one of the longer, that was 929 days to the bottom and it was a 49% decline. So that was from March of 2000 to um, October of 2002. And, you know, one of the, one of the similarities that a lot of people were talking about with the cur this current, at least coming into this environment, you know, the types of stocks that were doing the best were some of the growth, the large cap growth names, which was similar to what we were going through in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s. And then that all kind of came, came apart. But that was one of the things that you talked about in the article is one of the similarities to today. Yeah, when we talk about how using past bear markets as analogs is dangerous, you know, I'm guilty of that myself. And, you know, a lot of us that are value investors coming into this bear market saw a lot of similarities to 2000. And we wanted to see similarities to 2000 because once that bull market was over, you had basically a three-year period where the market went down 40% plus and small cap value stocks didn't go down at all. So all of us were hoping, you know, that our value investors and all of us that use that as an analog were saying, all right, if we get that again this time, we can get a big decline in the Googles of, in the Amazons of the world. And, you know, our stocks aren't going to go down at all. And then, then you get to the actual bear market and look what happened. You know, value led, led the way down by a wide margin. I mean, values underperformed the S&P 500 by a lot in this bear market. So we got, you know, if you use that as an analog and you tried to set up, you know, for that to happen, you, you've been very, very disappointed because the exact opposite has happened of what you, as what you thought would happen. There are a lot of different differences, too, with that bear market versus this one. I mean, at this point, we, we do have a lot of technology growth names leading the market, but they're, they're much more quality companies now than they right. were then. You know, you had a lot of companies with no earnings there, even companies with no revenue. You had, like, a huge IPO boom. We haven't had that. You know, you had much more euphoria. You had much higher valuations than you have now. So although there, there are some analogs with that, there also were some significant differences. I mean, the, the companies leading the market now are good quality companies. The question is just whether they're significantly overvalued, not whether they're actually firms that should continue to exist. Yeah, and then the last uh, one you pointed out in your article is the Great Depression, which that obviously was just uh, you know bloodbath for stocks. I think they were down like eighty or ninety percent. Um, but that was also you know, and that's obviously I don't know if the word depression is being used um, today. Um, especially given what, what the government and the Fed is, is doing in terms of coming in. And that, that's, again, one of the key differences is that, at least in the Depression, you know, the Fed actually, I think, raised interest rates during that period. And that actually made the market even worse versus, like, throwing the kitchen thing, sink at, you know, the market like, the, like they're doing now. Yeah, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a doom and gloom guy, that's what your point is. The Great Depression is obviously the biggest decline ever in the stock market. So if you're a doom and gloom guy, when we come into something like this, especially when we come into something where we've just shut our entire economy down, you know, we don't know the implications of that. So you could say, all right, we're going to repeat the Great Depression. But the, and, and I can't argue that either way. I mean, obviously, we've got a huge economic disruption. We don't know what it's going to mean. But I think the odds are we probably don't repeat that. And the reason is what you referenced, which is the the government has learned a lot about how we respond to these types of things since then. If, if you look, like, look at what they did in the Great Depression, the Fed raised interest rates. You know, and from a fiscal policy standpoint, we tried to balance the budget, which means we were cutting spending 
at a mm -hmm. time where the economy needed stimulus. So they did the exact opposite of what they should have done essentially on all fronts. And then, and if you look at what we're doing now, we, we've just, you know, we're in the middle of it. We don't even know how big it's going to be because it keeps getting added to every day. We're in the middle of probably the biggest stimulus of all time relative to the size of the economy. So what that's going to mean in terms of inflation and things in the future, who knows? But in terms of this specific crisis, I mean, that should be incredibly beneficial in terms of making this crisis a lot better than it would have been had they not done that. So it's a big difference between, you know, doing everything wrong in the Great Depression and so far doing everything potentially right in this period, which, which probably means we won't repeat that again. The one thing that all these bear markets do have in common, though, is that they all were mostly caused by different things. And that might be why, you know, that might be like the biggest, a very important point is that you can't always just look back and say, you know, this bear market's like that bear market because the cause of the bear markets to a large extent come from, you know, different things. In 2000, it was largely, you know, overvaluation and a recession that caused that. I mean, in the two, in 2007 and 2008, it was, you know, like you said, it was leverage in the in households, in the financial system, and the repackaging of those products. I mean, this one has been um, a result of a, a basically a pandemic and shutting down the economy. So that's just important to think about is that the cause of these things are pretty much all different. They're never the same. Yeah, no one ever sees it coming for that reason. You, know, you don't know. You tend to look at the previous bear markets and say, all right, you know, maybe there'll be issues. Like a lot of people have been talking about issues with debt in the system and things like that coming off of 2008 because we were burned by debt in the system in 2008. And so everybody's going to say, all right, that's what's going to cause the next bear market. But no one thought a pandemic was going to cause the next bear market. And now after this, there'll be, you know, excessive fear probably of a pandemic for a while. But the, the cause of the next bear market down the road will be something totally different than that. And, and that was the point of the article was to say, we can learn lessons from these things. Definitely. We can look at past bear markets and draw some conclusions. But for the most part, they're all different. And so it, it's very dangerous to look at one specific bear market in the past or even or even all of them as a whole and say, now I know how this one's going to play out because I saw how all those played out because that rarely works. But we do know that they all end. This one will also end. And, you know, for long term investors, it's there. These times are scary. Obviously, people see their portfolio values going down a lot. But um you know, for those investors that have the discipline and the risk tolerance to make it through, you know, we will come out of this on the backside. And, and that's kind of how you ended your article is like, you know, those investors that have the ability to stay the course, especially now when you've seen 30, 40 percent declines and even more in certain areas of the market, the people that tend to actually get the good long term performance in the market are the ones that stay disciplined and are the ones that don't let their emotions get the best of them, even in these types of market environments. Yeah, and that's a really important point. And, and to end on a positive, you know, in a, in a time right now where there's a lot of negatives, every panic in history has been a buying opportunity. Any, you know, people who bought during these panic type situations and had long-term horizons, you know, you don't know whether it's going to be a buying opportunity over six months or over a year or even two years, but people with five plus year horizons that bought during these panics have done very, very well. And so there's definitely reason for long-term optimism, although none of us have any idea when this will end and how this is eventually going to play out. Good. That's a good way to end it. So uh, we'll put your a link to your article in the uh, show notes. Um, thank you very much for watching this podcast. Thank you. Hi, guys. This is Justin again. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Excess Returns. You can follow Jack on Twitter at, at PracticalQuant and follow me on Twitter at, at JJCarboneau. If you found this discussion interesting and valuable, please subscribe in either iTunes or on YouTube. 
or leave a review or a comment. We appreciate it.